Hello and welcome to episode 399 of the Veg Grow podcast. My name's Richard and I'm trying to grow all my fruit, vegetable and herbs in my allotment and kitchen garden. Now coming up today, I went to Gardener's World Spring Fair, the first live show of this season and I had a great time. I'll let you know all about it in just a moment, but firstly, let's find out what I've been up to this week. It is Thursday the 27th of May 2021 and I'm afraid I'm going to start this week's diary section with some rather sad news. You may recall a couple of weeks ago I reported that we had a fox attack one of my chickens by the name of Boona. We thought she had recovered okay, we've been keeping a close eye on her, spoiling her etc etc and we thought she was going to be okay. Well, a few days ago, I noticed that she started to look like she was ill. She became a bit listful, a bit docile, barely moving. And I examined her and I discovered she had a condition known as sour crop. And we believe this was started by the fox attack. It caused problems for digestion, potho into shock or something. And I didn't notice it any sooner. Over the last few days, I have been treating her for for the sauerkraut by um, basically isolating her, giving her garlic water, uh, apple cider vinegar, um, feeding her yoghurt. Unfortunately, today she passed away, which is, it is heartbreaking. Um, I've still got, um, I've still got poppadom and bear. Bear, who's quite a few years old now, Poppadom, who was the same age as Boona. So I've still got two chickens, but the loss of one is pretty sad. They are pets. These aren't farm animals. They are pets. They are part of our garden and our, our enjoyment. And yeah, it's um, it's not good news, of course. So I've had to, of course, dispose of her. Um, in the legal way yeah it's a a bit of a tragic start to the week I mean things can only get better (laughs) is all I can say and I'm sorry to put that on you right at the beginning of this diary section but we'll get the bad news out of the way first things can only get better It is Saturday the 29th of May 2021 today. I've had a day in the garden at home and it's been a pretty productive day. Now firstly, I during the week I brought some new herb plants. I brought a, a Moroccan mint, some feverfew and a lavender. Each of which needed to go into a bigger pot, exception being the lavender. Um, which I potted those up into a bigger pot and the lavender has gone into the ground in the new herb area. We're still waiting for everything to grow in that area but things seem to be moving along quite nicely. But most importantly, the herbs I have planted, they are taken and doing pretty well. After that I then went to the sub-pod bed and what I'm doing in there, I have three great plants that I bought last year. They've been a pot until today. I've planted those into the ground around this uh, subpod. Now this idea here is that the grapes are going to grow on a trellis and create a nice little um, 
edible screening, I guess, is the way I want to look at it. Three, to be honest, there's probably too many grape plants in this bed, but I might actually take one out and put it back in the pot so I can move it in and out of the greenhouse. That's something to think about, but at the moment I've just got them all into the ground and they seem to be doing pretty well. Now after that, I then went to all my seedlings and figured out what plants were going to go where. And into one of the beds, now this was the original bed built last year, the longest serving bed, I have planted into that some marigolds, some celery, some Swiss chard, and some tomato plants. The variety in here is Heinz. Now these are obviously just going to grow, provide us with food, which is what I want. Hopefully they're going to grow quite well. I've given them a good watering in to make sure they can establish. This has left me with quite a few other plants. So what I've also done in other areas is I've popped plants into pots and hanging baskets particularly. So hanging baskets, I've actually planted some of my crimson cherry, a blight resistant variety of cherry tomatoes. Into my veggie bag, I've planted another tomato. This is the Herb de Provence variety, a, a pack I've had for quite a while. And uh, yeah, that's... Basically, I'm trying to use up as much of my space as I possibly can to grow as much of my food, but also means I've got plenty of plants that are headed down to the allotment on Monday, where hopefully we will get them into the ground and get them into use. Then finally today, I went to my veggie pod and I've sown some more seeds. I've sown some salad seeds into there. I tend to use my veggie pod mostly for growing salad leaf. I find it works well for us. We tend to eat a lot of salads, particularly my wife. And just every few weeks, I like to sow a few seeds into the veggie pod and harvest quite a few. And it works well for us. I do, and I've spoken about this before, I love my veggie pod. I'm going to have to do a, a, a continuation podcast a two year on and just talk about it in great detail because it's been such a fantastic growing piece. Anyway, yeah, that's what I've been up to today. Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow it's Gardener's World, as no doubt you hear. And then Monday, we're heading down to the allotment. It is Monday the 31st of May 2021 today. I'm just in the garden. I'm actually just watering everything. I've set my uh, hose pipe up with a pump for my water, but just to save a bit of time. Works quite well, actually, got to say. Anyway, um, today I have been down the allotment. Now, I've got to admit, I didn't go down the allotment till late afternoon. The reason for that is it's been another pretty hot day today and my plan for the allotment today was to get a lot of the plants into the ground and I could have gone down early this morning but after going to well how tired I was last night I knew I wasn't going to get up early this morning so uh, I decided I'd go down late afternoon and get all my plants planted and then when I water them in after planting them the water isn't going to evaporate so quickly and that means they should have a better chance of establishing and hopefully growing on quite strong. So what have I planted in down on the allotment? Well there's a lot more of my tomatoes have gone in down on the allotment. Now these are mostly my blight resistant varieties, the Crimson Crush, the Crimson Blush, 
and I've put those into a bed that I've added three layers of cardboard and what I've done is just cut a little hole and planted through the hole in that cardboard in order for these plants to basically be mulched um, and reduce the amount of cooch grass. In theory that is what I'm hoping will work. I've also put in quite a few chili plants, pepper plants, a few courgette plants, cucumbers, everything really except for the beans and the squash plants which will, or the pumpkins if you like, they will be going in probably next week once they've had a good chance to, for me to say I'm happy with them and feel they are ready to go in. Usually I would get most of my plants into the ground a lot earlier than this but this year we've had this little cold snap quite quite late on in the season which I feel has delayed things quite a bit which uh, so I'm just having trouble with the hose which of course I mean I've said this time and time again that that's why we keep an eye on the weather and we we, we work with what we have and quite often we have to tell ourselves it's okay it's okay anyway so that's what I have been up to today. Pleased to say plants are now in the ground and we are really moving forward with our gardening and veg growing. So that is it for this week's diary. I'm going to wrap up and head indoors where you will hear all about Gardener's World. But first, let's have one of my little breaks. I would just like to ask you if you are enjoying this podcast then perhaps you might consider signing up to the supporters club it costs just five pound a month and for that you get access to exclusive behind the scenes content including two extra podcasts each week only for supporting members added to that each month you will receive a gift pack containing a newsletter and at least six packets of seeds that can be sown that very month by becoming a supporting member your monthly contribution helps me keep this podcast moving forward and grow it also helps me encourage and teach more people how to grow their own food, something I passionately believe everybody can do. To become a member, head to thevegroundpodcast.co.uk. Yesterday, I visited the Gardener's World Spring Fair, an actual garden show, and the first garden show of this season. Over this last year, I have really missed attending these shows and going to chat to people who are in the trade or who are just passionate about gardening. But if this show was anything to go by, it was a fantastic demonstration of just how safe these shows can be. Tickets for this event cost £21.50 per person with parking being for free and it was held in the gardens of Bewley House and Motor Museum. Now our tickets actually allowed us to visit the gardens and motor museum which we felt made the price of the tickets all the more easy to swallow. We arrived at 10am and I could see the show was being held across two lawns. On one lawn, we had a collection of stalls selling various garden products, and we made our way here first. One of the stalls I chatted to was selling willow wands. Now, if you're wondering what this has to do with veg gardening, here's the thing. In my garden, we have a willow tree, which we inherited when we moved into this house. Both 
My wife and I really love this tree, but it is in completely the wrong place. It arches over the lawn, shades out the veg patch, stretches over to our neighbour's garden, and it's too large to move. Now the plan is for this willow tree to go, but my wife does want a willow tree to replace it. And something she really likes what is these willow warns. So I went to find out what they have to say about them. One of the stalls I've spotted is a Willow a Wand, and I'm chatting to the, uh, is it the owner of the company? Yeah, it is, I'm Simon Reid, it's my company, yes. So what is Willow Wand? Well, it's traditional English willow, which has been handcrafted into a beautiful plaited living stem. So we employ master basket weavers to take English willow grown on the Somerset level, so it's fully sustainable, traditional rural industry, and then we're revitalising the craft of basket weaving, but this time it's a living wand. We call it a wand because it grows like magic. So it's been plaited into this stem, you just plant it, water it, and within six to eight weeks it's magically grown a topiary top. So it's living art for your garden with a sustainable, traditional English willow. So it's English willow with a modern twist. Fantastic. How, how easy is it to look after? Uh, really, it's the simplest garden plant you could imagine. So we say water the bottom, trim the top, simple as one, two, three. Water it, trim it, and you've got an amazing topiary subject for your garden. Fantastic. Now the willow ones, what, uh, describe for the audience. So if you imagine uh, plaited hair, so uh, nine strands of willow plaited into this amazing stem, but that actually grafts together into one trunk. It never gets any taller, but imagine a living plaited stem and then the topiary top magically sprouts from the top and you just trim that green lollipop to any shape or size you want. The stem remains fixed in height, it grafts together but retains this amazing symmetrical woven effect. Oh, fantastic. And if anybody wants to buy one, where do they head to? Um, www.willowone.co.uk and we've got an online shop there and uh, you can um, just order whatever size. We've got four or five different sizes. The stem height is fixed. Choose which height you want and then trim the topiary top to any size. But it'll be delivered straight to your door from our web shop. Fantastic. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Well, I was very kindly donated a willow wand for that interview. and We have planted that into a pot today, which hopefully will go on and create a tree that will keep my wife happy and allow me to continue with my garden plans. Now, after that, it was time to see a talk being hosted on the stage by Adam Frost, the Gardener's World presenter. Now, this was all about his Grow Your Own Garden, and it was a truly fascinating talk. And I've been really interested in seeing what Adam Frost has been doing in his garden on Gardener's World. As you can imagine, the area where he was doing the talk was very suddenly became very, very busy. People crowded in to see the talk. Luckily, the staff of the event was on hand to politely make sure that everyone kept two metres apart. Now, that's not an easy job, and I just want to say a big thank you to all those staff for doing that. Anyway, after Adam's talk, I managed to grab a very quick chat to him. So I've just came to the What To Do Now stage, and I've been lucky enough to grab... Adam Foss to have a quick chat about Grow Your Own, it's been talking about. Adam, for those who may not know who you are, what's the best way to explain where you're from and everything? Who, me? Um, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a sort of a lad that trained as a gardener on a parks department and somehow, a long time later, ended up on gardener's world, mate. But I, you know, I, I'm a gardener, I was a landscaper, a designer, um, went to Chelsea, won some medals and now present on gardener's world. Yeah. So. so you've risen through the ranks, shall we say? Yeah, I think definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Started off with my old apprenticeship and um, and have just kept going. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Now you've been talking about Grow Your Own and particularly what you've been doing with your own garden, which the Veg Grower podcast is all about edible gardening. Where's your inspiration came from that? Oh, mate, I, th- I think in reality with me, um, I've been talking about it on the stage today, is in, it's my grandparents. That's who I grew veggies with. Um, so there's, there's that connection. Um, I, I find it fascinating. It's, it, I think veg gardening is the one part of gardening that's literally like just one big experiment, you know? And, and so I'm constantly playing with stuff, over-sowing it, under-sowing it, sowing it in places I shouldn't sow it, and, and just trying to work out you know, what I can push, what goes well, what doesn't well, and then finding more unusual things that, that either might challenge me or things that I knew that we grew in the past and that we don't anymore. And So, yeah, lots of different things, mate. That, yeah. Because I found it fascinating. You've been experimenting with things that I've never heard of being edible, such as lupins. Yeah, so there's edible lupins, which um, I've just sown no seeds. But um, again, you know, I, I, I interplant quite a lot of the edibles in with my ornamentals. Um, so things like I was talking earlier on about sea kale, you know, and um, that I've got planted in the gravel garden. And I've been cutting, cutting the sort of the new fresh leaves with a little bit of the head, a bit like broccoli. And I did that in sort of butter, black pepper, and you know, steamed it, and then did that with black pepper and salt and butter, and that was fantastic. So yeah, I, it, it is. I think it's the it's the joy of the process, not just what you end up with. It's the sowing the seed, seeing how it goes, seeing what it will taste like, you know, and and it doesn't always go right. And I think I even find that a bit challenging as well. Yeah. <laughs> what would your tip be for any new beginners then? Um, get your hands on as many catalogues as possible yeah um have a go at the things first of all that you love to eat um and don't worry if it's not successful you know try try and try again fantastic all right, thank you so much for taking time thank you no problem mate. cheers i've got to say adam is such a lovely bloke i was terrified of asking him to chat but he was so welcoming and happy to chat Now, something Adam did mention during his talk on stage was the use of biochar in potting mixes. And this is something I've been recently looking into. Again, we happen to have a stall at the show selling biochar, and I thought I would find a bit more about it. I've heard a lot about biochar in the past. I've spotted a store selling biochar, and Alice has very kindly taken a few minutes to chat to us about it. Can you tell us a bit about it then, please? Sure. So biochar is a sort of charcoal-like substance, um, but where charcoal is made from the dense core of a tree, biochar is made from the outer biomass, so the leaves and the twigs uh, that often go to waste. We make ours from diseased ash trees, so ones that would be um, un- unusable after the ash dieback pandemic. Um, but when you burn that material, that biomass, uh, what you're left with is a beautifully porous, um, like I said, a charcoal-like product uh, full of natural voids, which are fantastic at absorbing nutrients and retaining moisture. Um, it's one of the best alternatives for peat um, when mixed with compost or mixed with sort of manure, blood and bones, any other supplements for your soil. It's going to lock in and retain all of those nutrients and really increase the yield to your plants rather than things being washed away. Fantastic. Could it be used as almost like a, a substitute for perlite as well? Yeah, yeah it, it's exactly the same as that. It's just a natural form of carbon. Right. Um, so the, where the 
the structure acts as an incredible sponge, it also is amazing for improving the quality of soil um, and the irrigation of soil. It's completely permeable. Um, so we're finding that people, depending on their sort of soil structure, are finding different benefits um, because it's able to sort of adapt and, and regenerate the soil in a way that your plants need it. Right, right. And what are the results? Have you seen massive results in people... Um, So in the US, it's a um, $100 million business um, and where the soil quality in the US is so poor and there's a lot of dry soil um, with not a lot of uh, sort of water and and droughts, they're finding huge results. Um, The US is not the first though, there's also Germany and Australia are are sort of far advanced on us when it comes to biochar within the soil. But really what we're seeing, you know, as we're looking at sort of experimental gardening is that it's proven to sort of reduce the diseased um, ash trees catching the dieback. Um, And it's just absolutely um, incredible at improving the microfibial life within the soil, which is obviously naturally going to help your plants to grow and to be nourished. Fantastic. Fantastic. So if anybody wants to find out more, yeah. where do they head to? Uh, so if you could head to um, www.phoenixbiochar.co.uk, we're a community interest company. Um, so we, we're looking to help to put the profits of the business back into the community and help us to increase, you know, and improve our carbon capture um, yeah. as a community. Um, or you can also head to the Instagram. We post a lot of, ins- of information on there and that's phoenixbiochar underscore CIC. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you very much. After chatting to them, I decided I would buy a bag of biochar of my own. And I'm interested to see just how well it works. In fact, recently I had a question from a listener who has been worried about the use of perlite and vermiculite. And this listener sent me some brick dust as an alternative. Now, I've been experimenting with a little of this and see what we can do. But I thought we've biochar we can set up a bigger experiment with a test of growing tomatoes in pots with each pot using different materials such as biochar now we can see if we get any difference in crop quality or whatever as we go on throughout this year so please do keep listening for that by this time it was lunchtime so we headed into the second field where there happened to be plenty of choice from a collection of catering vans. I grabbed myself some tacos and I sat on the grass tucking on into lunch. And as I was doing this I was watching the world go by and feeling rather grateful to see people out and about again. And with the hot sunshine it was a, a chance to really reapply some of our suntan lotion. Now in this same field we also had a collection of display gardens of varying sizes and styles. It seemed to me that wildflowers and recyclings was a big theme here today. I really enjoyed looking at these gardens and seeing the veg taking place in these too. The National Veg Society The National Veg Society actually had a show garden that was an allotment full of leeks and chard and kale. It was great to see, but one garden that really caught my eye and I managed to chat to the designer. So I just came across one particular garden that has really caught my eye and I'm chatting to the designer who I'll get to introduce himself. Hi, my name's Sean. I'm the manager for Longstock Park Nursery and Landscapes up on the Leckford Estate, part of the Waitrose Farm. And the theme behind the garden was reuse and recycle. So we've sourced all the materials from on the estate, from the cattle trough through to the bits of plough, the old machines, the bricks that we found in a pile of stinging nettles (laughs) and the bug houses we built from some ridge tiles. 
Fantastic. I mean, let's, let's find out a bit about the Waitrose Farm, because I've never heard of this before. So what this is, what is this all about? So the Waitrose Farm um, is where we produce mushrooms, cider, apple juice, sparkling wine, and milk that goes into Waitrose. Um, it's an arable crop, so you've got the flour as well that go into Waitrose. Um, it's 2,800 acres of, of the estate, of which the nursery landscape water gardens is one small section, really. Right. Um, but it is a developing section, and our sort of customers love the fact they can come and look around the water gardens, come up to the farm shop nursery, have an afternoon tea, and then buy lots of plants. Fantastic. Whereabouts is it based in terms of county? We're in Hampshire, we're just the other side of Stockbridge, so not between Winchester and Salisbury, sort of in the middle. So if anybody is in the area, they can come up and make a visit if, if we need, want to? Yeah, the farm shop, nursery and cafe are open all day for the public, and the water gardens you can book online if you go to the Leckford Estate website. Fantastic, fantastic. So uh, I think I'll be making a visit there in the not-too-distant future. Let's, let's talk about your garden now that you've designed here. and. Uh, Yeah, let's walk walk down and talk me through some of the aspects and the thinking behind what's going on here. Okay, so to start with, we've got the wildflower turf, which has taken over quite a large area of the garden, and it is so popular at the moment. And as you can see, the bees are are loving it. They're in there already. Um, We've got the island in the middle, which is an old tractor tyre with a bog bog garden around it and the ace agrisium in the centre. Um, we wanted to bring some of the reclaimed bricks and create the path with the roofing tiles around the edge to create an edge to the path. Again, all found on the estate. It took us a while to clean them, but as you, they look quite good. cool, I think. I, and I, they've been really popular with the custom, people, the visitors. I've got to admit, if you hadn't told me they were reclaimed, I wouldn't have thought any different. And then, of course, we've got the, um, the metal sculpture, which is part of a drill from the crops team. Oh, wow. Um, I, yeah, it was just lying there and it's like oh that looks really cool so again a feature that you wouldn't think of but it's recycle and reuse it's amazing what you can do when you put your mind to stuff that is just waste isn't it i've always said this exactly even the cattle trough on the other side you can't quite see it from here because it's behind the gowra but there's a cattle trough that it's been left in a hedgerow for a few years and it's just been abandoned Whereas actually, fill it with water and put some plants in it and you've got a great wildlife pond. Fantastic, fantastic. Is wildlife the general theme here? I mean, I can see you've got your bee house as well. I think all of us realise we've got to garden in harmony with nature. And I think as a landscaping member, that's what we want to do. We want to help help the customers bring the wildlife into their gardens. But it's got to work with the garden design. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, something I always think is that often wildlife gardens get accused of being messy. Is that perhaps the right way to say it? But when you see it like this, it shows you what you can do. Exactly. It doesn't have to be messy. It doesn't have to be the whole garden. Your garden's got to work for you. We just, when we're designing, we just bring elements of the wildlife in that will fit with your design and what you Ooh. want to use in your space. Yeah. Whether that's a patio or a path or making sure that you've got the planting around it to bring the bees and the butterflies and the bugs into the garden. Yeah, absolutely. I've got to say, I'm loving all the different purples and the whites and the greens as well and all the flowers. It's really quite attractive. It's been a real strange season. Um, The wildflower turf, we started in March and the pinks are in flower now and then the blues will come and then the reds. So it, it will change through the seasons. 
the Gowra over there that are in flower now, I've had in a polytunnel for three weeks just mm. trying to bring them on because everything's been so cold and slow yeah. to get started. But I think we've got enough colour in there and lots of hidden gems. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat to us about it. And I'll definitely be making a visit up and see your gardens up on the uh, farm. Yeah, come and see us. I'll give you a guided tour. Fantastic. After that, we headed into the motor museum. It seemed too much of a good opportunity to miss. And we had a look at the cars that I haven't seen since I was a child. Um, I, then we jumped onto the monorail and got a bird's eye view of the gardens for now, I could see from above that there were some rather stunning-looking Victoria gardens. Great collection of plants, some absolutely stunning greenhouses. But the thing that really caught my eye was the vegetable plot. Now, of course, I went down to take a closer look at that. Well, earlier, I took a trip on the monorail to get a bird's-eye view of the gardens, and I spied what looks like some beautiful greenhouses and some vegetable gardening areas. So I'm just up by the greenhouses now. Unfortunately, we can't go inside, but I can see there are pots and pots of various plants, even some birds of paradise plants and some citrus plants, which looks fantastic. Now, just on the outside on the uh, south-facing wall, bananas, wow. First time, and they're flowering, fantastic. I don't often see bananas growing but I know they do grow and they're flowering fantastic along with some fig trees lined up against the wall and in in the grass area just in front I say grass area it's a, a bit of a cage over some fruit quite clearly a collection of currants raspberries apples uh, all protected from obviously the birds with this beautiful cage and quite a large area at that actually easy fit my garden in that so we go through this hedgeway here we are into the vegetable patch area this is fantastic now obviously this year with everything being late it's gonna be a little bit difficult to see anything growing it's only really I feel we can start planting outside literally this weekend so what we've got here is a good collection of broader beans which are looking fine uh, just in front of those They've got labels for climbing French bean and runner bean with some mighty, huge, taller than me bean frames for them to climb up. So that's fantastic. Um, down on the other side, cress, Indian mustard, leaf beet, sorrel, um, I can't even pronounce that, mixed lettuce, pak choy, oriental vegetable, mebuna, parsley, leek, leek, beetroot, 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 carrots, yeah, and cabbage. And these have all been sown directly where they are to grow. So I can quite clearly see where they've uh, sown the seeds because the ground is quite well tilted. And they've got little white labels with black paint or black or written on there in black paint what they are. Some of them have actually germinated, so like the pak choy, I can see there's lots and lots of pak choy that need thinning out, and oriental vegetables will need thinning out when they get a bit bigger anyway. We'll carry on moving around. There's more beans and more runner beans. Fantastic. I'm just loving. These are the type of places that I just love to come and see. I think, give it a month or so, they'll probably be looking... Really fantastic with everything in growth and uh, everything really taken apart. Now we've got a central arch running down, quite a long arch at that with what looks like pear trees 
or maybe even apple trees. Let's have a look. No, I was right first time. Pear trees. Um, are trained around the arch. A bit like what I've seen at Westine, but yeah, these are fantastic to see. And then on the edges, we've got chives, possibly garlic chives as well. Um, and primroses and rosemary and lavender. Oh, again, adding to this kitchen garden feel. You know, I'm a big fan of that. And then, oh yeah, I can see some onions, which I've got to say, they're looking just like mine at the moment. Oh, I've just seen a bird come out of the, uh, the sorrel down here. How fantastic was that? Didn't expect to see that. And then, uh, what else can I see? Some globe artichoke. Now these globe artichokes, they're about four foot tall at the moment, still growing, looking fantastic. And uh, something about globe artichoke, I grow it on my allotment, don't really find globe artichokes that useful in the kitchen just yet. I'm working with it. But architecturally, they are fantastic plants and uh, well worth having. Now again, we're coming back into areas where they've sown seeds. So endive, coriander, rocket, more onion, basil, beetroot, chicory, mustard. And they, they have germinated. They're in need of sort of thinning out in, in some ways. So they're quite a thick growth to them. That's probably why they've germinated so well, I think. Because the soil here looks very flinty and very much full of a lot of... Uh, a lot of flint, which I, I'd imagine the seeds will have a, a tough time breaking through. But I think because they're sowed so thickly, they've managed to break through. Let's carry on walking around and see quite what we've got just around the corner. Potatoes, main crop potatoes. I can just start to see those popping out of the mounds. So they've been earthed up in order to continue to make them grow. This is the thing I love about coming to these places. I love visiting stately homes and I've often said, I mean, Bewley, you don't really associate so much with the gardens. You often think Bewley of the, the motor museum. And I've always said it's the same as the theme parks and things. There's gardens that go on and there's people that have to look after those gardens who I feel are often forgotten about. And I think there's a lot of a lot of, lot of praise that they deserve. I've come into a pumpkin patch, I believe this is, or a squash patch. Now, what's interesting I see that they've done here is they've planted the squash into like a, a, a hole in the ground, a divot in the heart in the ground, which just creates a bit of a moat, which makes it better for water to get into the squash and reach our roots. Definitely something I've heard a lot of. I've not done it myself. But something I do know can be done. Um, sweet corn has been sown. There's a, I'm going by the labels in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Now we've got more potatoes. This area is huge. I don't really know how to describe how big it is. Probably 150 metres by 150 metres, possibly bigger. Um, the thing is, there's a lot of little pathways and little hedges that tie, that hide things and make things look different than what they actually are. Um, but yeah, the potatoes, there's more globe artichokes. They seem to like their globe artichokes here. Don't blame them. I mean, they are fantastic looking plants. I will say they are fantastic looking plants. Um, in fact, I, one I'm looking at right now, I can actually see the flower bud has developed. So that's probably nearly ready for harvesting. 
Now thinking about it, that may not be a globe artichoke, it might actually be a cardone. Uh, so what else have we got? Sorrel. I think we've mentioned sorrel earlier, which is, as many of you know, one of my favourite vegetables. Lettuce, cabbage um, and sugar snap peas. So quite a bit going on and a lot to see. Uh, I love these places. I've said it time and time again. I just love coming to these places. And with that, we headed home. Sunburnt, tired, but we had a great day out. Overall, I was really quite pleased with the show. I can imagine it's not been easy to organise, with many people still concerned over COVID. In fact, tickets for the event had only sold out just a few days before. I was actually expecting it to be really packed, but actually there was plenty of space and it was busy, very busy, but there was enough space for us all to get around. The staff were excellent, really helpful, and also really polite and making sure we kept two metres apart. And the stallholders were the same as well. Now, I'm certainly hoping it goes ahead next year, and if it does, I will return. Hopefully, this podcast has made you want to come again next year as well. Or if you went to this event, what did you make of it? Now, you can let me know by emailing me, richard at vegetgrowerpodcast.co.uk. You can visit my website, thevegetgrowerpodcast.co.uk, leave a comment or leave a voicemail. Or you can find me on social media, so like, subscribe, follow, leave a comment and all that. That's it for this week. Next week will be our episode 400, so we really need to do something to celebrate that. Until then... Please take care.